Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds, which you can catch on 103.7 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4. Hope everybody is enjoying themselves as much as possible. Still some craziness going on in the world, but we're powering through, trying to find ways to make it all worthwhile and to find ways that we're not going out of our minds by staying quarantined at home. You know, I hope everybody's finding some sort of solace in all of this, but hopefully this will all come to an end very, very soon. Now, the podcast from here on out is going to be a little different, folks, because uh, with the timing of everything, it's been difficult, obviously, in the world of sports to try to keep every up, everybody updated on things that are going on when there's not really anything going on. So what has been decided on uh, the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, as well as the Locked On Podcast Network, is that there's going to be particular themes for each week. And the first two weeks of this, which of course is starting today, is going to be talking about some of the best seasons in program history at the University of Arkansas. Now, I think that this is, first off, it's going to be about football. So, I mean, we can maybe do basketball next week. I I may look into that, just kind of depending on what people want to hear about or what they want to know more about. But uh, I may get into that at some point and just really hammer the basketball side of things home. But the one thing I will say, though, in talking about football is it's very difficult. It's extremely difficult for me to sit back and say, all right, well, what was the best season in franchise history or in program history here at the University of Arkansas? And people are probably going to say, well, 1964, they went undefeated. They had a claim to the national championship, and which I would agree with you. That was a great season. But as far as looking back on it, it's hard to really get people to talk to them about that time because it was so long ago. Uh, some people would say maybe the 1978-79 year of the Orange Bowl victory over Oklahoma where Arkansas went 12-1. and uh, you know, that was another great year, too. And again, maybe that's one I'm going to consider. Uh, it's just happened a long time ago, happened over 40 years ago. So being able to find people that could talk about that, at least remember pretty well, might be a little more difficult. So since I'm younger and since I obviously have had a lot of research done into this on what season I'd like to look at, to me, at least in my lifetime, the way you look at the best season is, of course, looking back on ones that where you felt like you were truly not only one of the best teams in the country, but a very memorable season, one that could really never be taken away from you, one that had a lot of great games in it, one that you felt like you were a play here or a play there away from possibly going to the national championship. And so when I'm looking at that, I've limited it down to Three years, or I guess four years, technically. Four years that stand out to me in Arkansas's history, recent history of times they were really in the driver's seat of playing for something special. That was 1998, it was 2006, 2010, and 2011. So between those four years, it was, it was tough to decide which one I wanted to look at as far as being the best year, because that's what it's about. It's about being the best year. The best year for Razorback sports. And this may honestly kind of upset some of you because I'm going to go with a year that I personally my opinion felt was the best year and that was 2010 2006 you played for the SEC title I get it 1998 you were a fumble away from possibly playing for the national championship I get it and even in 2011 you won one more game you went 11 and 2 instead of 10 and 3 
I get it. But when I look at what team was the best, what team was most memorable, and what season really just got everybody into a whole new level of excitement was 2010. Now, Arkansas went 10-3 and this year. They lost in the Sugar Bowl to Ohio State, which we all remember. Unfortunately, we all remember that. But when you really dive into it and start thinking about some of the great games and the great moments from this entire season, it starts to make sense. It starts to really resonate of what type of year it has and how rare it was at the time. Because you got everything's about time and place. You got to put everything into perspective. And even though Arkansas did lose three games that year, they were considered to be one of the top of the top, the elite of the elite. Because here's we can just go through the schedule and it'll start to make a little more sense to all of you as to why this was the case. You know, Arkansas started the year with a victory over Tennessee Tech 44-3. Nothing too crazy there. Then they play Louisiana Monroe and Little Rock and win 31-7. Nothing too crazy there. Now, entering the third week of the season, they have the number 12 team in the country and their first real test, which is going on the road to Georgia. Now, Georgia... This was an interesting game for many reasons because people probably forget, but that Georgia team was pretty good that season. They well, let me put let me rephrase it. They were supposed to be better that season than what they actually were. Because they went 6 and 7, which was not good. But they had Aaron Murray on that team, which he was a young Aaron Murray. He was still pretty solid. They had Guys like, I don't know, A.J. Green on the team, who was actually suspended for that game uh, because of some uniform nonsense. So, yeah, he was pretty good from what I understand. Uh, yeah, I had guys like Rashawn Ely, who rushed for over 800 yards that year. So it was not a great Georgia team, but still a Georgia team that underachieved. And any Georgia person would talk to you about that and say the same thing. They should have been a lot better than what they actually were. Well, Arkansas goes on the road in that game. And if you take it back to 2009 and 2008, the first two years under Bobby Petrino, you would probably see that the team was getting better each year, but they were still missing some things. They were missing those big victories. They were missing that where they needed to get on the stage and show everybody just how good they are. They need to have that big wow moment and that wow game. And so they really get to prove that. So going on the road to Georgia and this team that Arkansas had not beaten essentially in at that point in almost 20 years, Arkansas needed that victory. And it was a pretty solid game back and forth for the most part. And uh, Arkansas had a lead for a good bit of it, but Georgia ties it up at 24 late in the game. And then with about five or so minutes left, it comes down to crunch time where Arkansas has the ball back. They have Ryan Mallett. They got all the pieces around them. And we're going to see what this team's made of when it comes down to clutch situations. And what do they do? They march right down the field. They get a great move and a great play by Greg Childs where he runs into the end zone as the infamous, or more, I shouldn't say infamous, famous call of Childs' please is made. And then Arkansas gets the victory 31-24 to 24 over Georgia, starting the season 3-0 and 
and getting a big victory. So it seemed like the stage was all set because now you got that victory under your belt where you went on the road into a hostile environment in the SEC and you won. And you won not because you got lucky, not because the team was so terrible. You won because you made the play when it mattered most. You made the drive when it mattered most. Your guys stayed tough. They stayed poised, and they won. And the fact that you started off 3-0 and is great. was great. But the next game was going to be for all the marbles to really see where you stood among the SEC. And that was against the defending national champions and the number one team in the country coming into Fayetteville on September 25th, 2010. The Alabama Crimson Tide. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. So now you have a top 10 matchup in Fayetteville as Arkansas had jumped up to number 10 in the country. And they were taking on not just an Alabama team that was number one in the defending national champions, but they also had the Heisman Trophy winner of Mark Ingram on the team. They had Greg McElroy, who was a senior, a seasoned veteran senior. They had guys like Julio Jones, Trent Richardson on the team. Marcel Darius on the defensive line. I mean, this was an Alabama team, just like every year of Alabama, loaded with talent. And they were undefeated coming into your house. College game day didn't come because apparently they went to three other SEC schools already, or they went to two other SEC schools, and they felt like it was a little too much to go to three straight SEC schools. So they decided to go to, like, Oregon versus Boise State. Yeah, good on you. Not that I'm bitter. But in this game, this was one that will be in my memory forever, even though it didn't go according to plan. Leading up into this game, and leading up this week, I remember being a student at the University of Arkansas and living, being from Fayetteville, never experiencing such a fever pitch of anticipation for a football game in my life. Some people said, oh, USC of 2006 or Texas of 04. Yeah, those were big, folks. Those were big. But this was next level because those games were just big because it was early in the season and they were big opponents. This one was big because you're playing, it's early in the season, big opponent. But you are a big opponent as well. You are a top 10 team. And you feel like this is finally going to be the year where you knock off the number one team, Alabama. And on that September day, it was a little bit of overcast, but mostly sunny, a beautiful September day in Fayetteville. And I... I was fortunate enough to be on the front row of the student section for this one where we camped out all weekend and the, the energy was just, there could not be mimicked. And I remember waiting and waiting for the whole time of trying to get into the stadium and just everyone's got just a new level of feeling where sound and energy were just coming through everybody. You could just tell it was different. And then I remember getting into the stadium, and it was a CBS 230 kickoff with Vern Lundquist and Gary Danielson. And it had just been building and building and building and building until finally, right at kickoff, 
the stadium had filled over 76,000 people, which was the largest and still to this day is the largest crowd to ever watch a Razorback football game. And it, it was just electric. And the coin toss happens. Arkansas wins it, and they want the ball, which we all love that attitude by Bobby, the aggressiveness, the saying, yeah, we're going to take this ball, we're going to stuff it down your throat, and we're going to go and score. He kicks it off. They get out, and I think it was Mardrakis Humphreys actually returned it, get a decent field position, and Ryan Mallon has to walk out with the offense and quiet the crowd down because they are just so amped up on cocaine of college football and pageantry and Razorback fandom that they have to be relaxed. And the very first play of the game, offensive play, I should say, Mallett gets the snap and it's way over his head. He has to go like way up on it. And then he throws it to Jarius Wright for a big gain, over 25-yard gain right there. And, and people are just like, yes, all right, set the tone, Bobby. Let's go. You're setting the tone. Thought that was the big play to start it, but it didn't end there. The very next play, Ryan Mallett takes it, uh, takes it out of the backfield, and every Alabama defender apparently was wanting to play zone or play man-to-man, except for one. And he played man, and he played zone, excuse me. I want to make sure I get that right. And when he did that, he messed up and left a wide-open Ronnie Wingo on a wheel route to where he had nobody around him because he was in zone coverage. Ronnie Wingo gets it, runs down the sideline, makes a man miss, breaks a tackle, and walks into the end zone. To this day, the loudest and most energized and the most electric feeling I have ever personally had at any sporting event when Ronnie Wingo walked in that ball for a touchdown. There was not a single soul in that entire stadium that wasn't screaming as loud as they possibly could. To this day, Greg McElroy, great quarterback for Alabama, says the loudest place he has ever been in his life, the loudest stadium he has ever, ever seen, was Razorback Stadium that day. But unfortunately, you don't get points for energy. And you don't get points for having great crowds. As Arkansas had a lead for most of the game, but just like all great teams do, and great coach teams, Alabama made plays when they mattered the most, and they got the victory 24-20 to over Arkansas, handing them their first defeat of the year. I've never been more emotionally drained after a game where I honestly felt like it, that was it. That was when it was all going to really start, this national championship run we were about to go on. But... Not everything happens the way we want it to sometimes. And Arkansas still had a lot of season left. So after dropping to 3-1, and one, they still remained right there in the mix because they only dropped one spot to number 11. And they went on the road to Arlington, Texas to take on Texas A&M. And a not-so-pretty game. Arkansas won that game 24-17, but it definitely had its moments of grossness. 
wasn't very well played. A&M was not that good of a team. But some people may have even chalked it up to Arkansas having a little bit of a hangover from Alabama. Either way, though, they got the victory, and that's all that mattered. Because then they knew that they had even a bigger test awaiting for them the next week. Where they had to go on the road to a number seven team in the country, the Auburn Tigers, who have come out of nowhere because they have a guy named Cam Newton. Cam Newton is the greatest college football player I've ever seen. And in that game, Arkansas lost their starting quarterback of Ryan Mallett early in the game, too. And I remember watching that and thinking, you know, this just ain't it. It's not meant to be. If if we can't do it without Mallett, I mean, how can we do this? We got Tyler Wilson, who we don't even know much about. Because Mallett had gone 10 of 15 for 96 yards and a touchdown at that point when he got hurt. So how in the world are we going to win this with, with Tyler Wilson, a backup quarterback? Are you kidding me? Well, lo and behold, Arkansas with Tyler Wilson answered the call. Tyler comes in, goes 25 of 34, which is 74%, for 332 yards and four touchdowns. Now, he had two picks in this game, but still absolutely blew the doors off of an Auburn defense that had no idea what he was capable of. But unfortunately for Arkansas, when you go up against a team like Auburn and when you go up against a player like Cam Newton, sometimes the best man win, and that's what happened here. Because Cam Newton didn't pass the ball much. He went 10 of 14 for 140 yards and a touchdown. But what it was is he rushed for 188 yards against Arkansas. 25 attempts. He's averaging 7.5 yards a pop with three rushing touchdowns. You had Mario Fannin, Michael Dyer, and Ontario McCaleb also bring in a couple of touchdowns, and Arkansas lost 65-43. to 43. But think about that, folks. Any other game, any other time, if Arkansas was to score 43 points during that year, he probably felt they would win. But it was the big fourth quarter that happened for Auburn. They scored four touchdowns, 28 points in the fourth quarter alone. Where Arkansas, at the end of the third quarter, is actually leading this game. But it was too little too late. It's too much to overcome. Some questionable calls in there. Also didn't help. But now Arkansas is sitting at 4-2 and two through their mid halfway through their season. And the question becomes of what do they do now? How good are they really? Because the two big teams that were in the top ten that they have faced, they lost to in heartbreaking measures. So what will this year hold for the second half of the year, the final six games of the regular season? Can they get it turned around after two of those losses, which were so heartbreaking? You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Sitting at four and two, the Arkansas Razorbacks in 2010 now have a choice to make because the rest of the way – It's not to say that the schedule gets easier, because it is the SEC, but luckily you're going up against two of the worst teams in the SEC in the consecutive weeks to try to get things back on track. You face the Ole Miss Rebels and the Vanderbilt Commodores. Ole Miss, which was led by Houston Nutt, but one of the worst teams in the SEC, both of them were. And Arkansas made short work of both of them. Beating Ole Miss at home 38-24 in a rain delay, lightning delay type of game. 
It's ugly, but Arkansas still got the victory. And then on October 30th, Arkansas wins big 49-14. to Doesn't even look back. So now Arkansas is back in the winning ways, sitting at 6-2 with the number 17 rank in the country. Going on the road to another difficult SEC school in South Carolina, who's ranked 18th in the country at the time. A team that's under Steve Spurrier has been pretty consistent and has finally arrived in their own right as being one of the better teams in the SEC, at least the SEC East. This was a worrisome game. Honestly, didn't know what to expect. As South Carolina, Arkansas, how's this going to go? What's going to happen here? Can Arkansas bounce back and finally get that nice little win that they've been looking for? Because Georgia's starting to look like crap now. They need a big win. Need to start showing people that they're actually worth something. Well, Arkansas finally, in a big way, answered the call against South Carolina as they won 41-20 to in this game. Great, great performances by Ryan Mallett, who went 21 of 30 for 303 yards and a touchdown, but also had a pick. It was also a great game for Niall Davis, who had scored three rushing touchdowns, 22 attempts, 110 yards. Ryan Mallett even rushed in a touchdown, too. As good as the offense was, the defense was equally as impressive, where South Carolina only had 10 points entering into the fourth quarter. And the reason they scored 10 points in the fourth quarter is because when Tyler Wilson came in as backup in relief because Arkansas was up so big, he fumbled the ball in South Carolina, got it in for a touchdown. Steven Garcia, one touchdown, two interceptions. Connor Shaw came in, not much better. Arkansas had got a big win under their belt on November 6th. And now that they had finally beaten a team that was actually in the top 25, maybe this was real. Maybe this could finally be the way that They found their chemistry, and they also, folks, got their rushing attack going, which they struggled with in the beginning part of the season because Niall Davis was starting to emerge as that go-to running back. Arkansas returns to Fayetteville and plays UTEP and wins 58-21. No contest. But then another tough competition on the road in SEC play is looming against Mississippi State, who had had a tragedy on their football team recently, or one of their players had died tragically. And this game that Arkansas was playing was dedicated to him because it was senior night. The energy was nothing short of crazy. This Mississippi State team was looking for nine wins. And they were welcoming in Arkansas, who was a number 13 team in the country. And Arkansas probably should have lost this game. But luckily for the Razorbacks, they made the plays when they mattered the most because they let it get away in overtime where Nile Davis fumbled the ball late in the game. And Mississippi State got it back and sent it to overtime. Arkansas, in the overtime period, gets a touchdown, but they stop Mississippi State short on fourth down. They can't capitalize. Arkansas wins. Mine Mallet goes 17 to 26 for 305 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Now, Al Davis, though, even though he did fumble, was the player of the game with 30 rushing attempts for 187 yards and two touchdowns. Also had one receiving touchdown. And so now Arkansas moves on to 9-2. and two, And they are facing, without a doubt, the most important game, most important opponent that they have in many, many years. Because everything's been set. What's on the line for Arkansas? What's looming against the LSU Tigers in Little Rock on November 27th, 2010? The winner 
goes to the Sugar Bowl. It's as simple as that. Everyone knows that Auburn has won the West, and they're going to be moving on to win the uh, go to the SEC, and they win the SEC. But the East was pretty bad that year. So the only option for the second-best team to get that Sugar Bowl nod would be the winner of this game because Alabama had fallen to 9-3. and three. So both teams knew what was on the line, and Arkansas answered in a big way. Great game, arguably one of the most fun games. Kobe Hamilton goes crazy where he had two catches for 80 yards that went for touchdowns. He always wanted to show out there. And Little Rock, we all knew what he was capable of, and he blew up. Nile Davis, 152 rushing yards for him. He was making some noise. It was just as good as you could have ever asked for a game like that with knowing what was on the line, knowing how important it truly was. You knew what was going to happen. You knew how big of a deal it was. And Arkansas answered. 31-23, finishing 10-2, and 6-2 and in conference, holding the tiebreaker over the LSU Tigers. And the Razorbacks are heading to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl. We don't have to talk about that one too much, folks, because we know what happened. Arkansas lost 31-26. If you scoop and score at the end of the game, Arkansas wins. There was a lot of drop passes. There was a lot of times where people maybe felt like uh, it was too big of a moment for Arkansas. Maybe they weren't ready for a game like that. But Arkansas kept Ohio State to only three points in the second half. But unfortunately, it was more points than they could overcome. Finishing 10-3 and three on the year. Huh. So you're probably asking, what in the world? Why do you think a 10-3 and three year? You really think that was the best, best season? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. It's because that's really what set a standard. That was the time when Arkansas actually felt like they belonged into that conversation of being one of the best teams, not only in the SEC, but a top 10 team in the country. They had it all. They had a passing game with Ryan Mallett that was so electric with wide receivers like Greg Childs, Jarius Wright, Joe Adams, and Kobe Hamilton. They had a tight end by the name of DJ Williams who was pretty dadgum good from what I remember. Also a guy named Chris Gregg who went bad. They had a running back in Niall Davis who rushed for over 1,400 yards that year and was killing it where nobody had an answer for him. They had a defense that was at least serviceable. It wasn't any all-world beaters, but you still had guys – like Jake Beckett, Jericho Nelson, Rodell Krim, Tremaine Thomas, Jeremy, Jerry Franklin. I mean, you had guys that at least made some noise when they needed it. Not great, but not terrible. That was the, that was the most fun I had as a Razorback football fan. Because you got to that point. You knew what was on the line. In one game, the final game of the regular season, you knew what was on the line. You knew what it was for. And you answered you deserved it. No one screwed you out of it. You got to go. That, to me, folks, is why it's the best. You can disagree with me, but I have a hard time believing that any other year would have been better. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. And after get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. Keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.